You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Hola, 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 and welcome back to the One Small Bite Podcast, where we bring you anti-diet conversations and topics that chop diet culture in its tracks so that you can build a positive relationship with food, make peace with your body, and learn to live fully. I'm your host, David Orozco, certified intuitive eating, registered dietitian nutritionist, and my practice is Orozco Nutrition. It's located in Atlanta, Georgia. I have an incredible team of health at every size and weight-inclusive, informed and trained registered dietitians and therapists, where we focus on that anti-diet and compassionate approach to help you break free from the shackles of diet, culture, and weight stigma. I'm so excited today, folks, because today I am going to talk to you about how diet plans and weight loss programs have a 95% failure rate long term. We're going to hear about Meredith and I'm going to talk to you about how diets and weight loss programs and plans and other things that she did really didn't give her that long-term weight loss that she was looking for. So, I'm going to focus in on one specific study, but there are a good number of studies that are starting to come out. In fact, the NIH expert panel uh, 2013 also has some great research. I'll talk about those at another time. So let's get started with this juicy topic and oh, so controversial. I know it's going to be. So... Uh, I just wanted to talk to you about a research study in 2015. Um, It was called The Probability of an Obese Person Attaining, quote-unquote, Normal Body Weight, and I'll talk about normal in a a minute, Uh, a cohort study using electronic health records. This published in the American Journal of Public Health in September 2015, And what this study went out to look at was the rate or probability of of obese and overweight people attaining quote-unquote normal body weight. So before I go any further, let me just say this is a trigger warning. I am going to use the O words, obesity and overweight. You know that I'm not crazy about those words, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to bring up BMI, body mass index. I am actually going to talk about some weight, and I just wanted to give you that warning in advance, so just in case, it might be triggering. So in this study, what they did is they looked at the information from a whole bunch of medical health, electronic health records 
from various、uh, primary care locations throughout the United Kingdom, and they were able to find approximately two million plus patients registered in a program called the Clinical Practice Research Data Link, which is a database that is. Anonymized, and it looks at longitudinal patient electronic medical records, and they were able to look at classification of BMI, and it was approximately broken down to about two hundred and seventy-eight thousand participants that were、um, targeted for. This study. Now, again, they didn't know who they were looking at. It was、uh, blinded, essentially. Names weren't there, and so there was no skin in the game. And they broke the BMI categories into various components: people in、um, the twenty-five to twenty-nine point nine, which is called the overweight; the thirty to the thirty-four, which they classify as simple obesity. Thirty-five to thirty-five point nine, which is what they consider severe obesity. Excuse me, thirty-nine point nine, and then forty to forty-four point nine, what they consider morbid obesity, and greater than forty-five BMI as super obesity. And again, this is one of the reasons why I just don't love these words. I don't like these words at all because. To call someone morbid—I mean, you're telling them that they're about to die or super obese. That's—I mean, how embarrassing, how shameful is that? But in any case, this is the data and information that they use. And so, what they did was they looked—they wanted to look at a five percent reduction in body weight. And they looked at the five percent or more reduction of body weight because that's what a lot of research shows that is most efficacious or healthiest for people. Shows that improves、uh, with health outcomes and it improves、uh, chronic illnesses. So this is one of the reasons why you hear that quite a bit: five to ten percent or five to seven percent of excess body weight. So they looked at these people for over, or they looked at these、um, indicators of these people for over ten years, and it's really interesting. What they found was that there was an initial weight loss, some greater than five percent, but on average five percent within the first year for some people in certain BMI categories. The other thing that was interesting is that the number of participants were pretty interesting. It was approximately a hundred and forty-nine thousand women and a hundred and thirty thousand men that were part of this, and the average age was fifty-five years for men and forty-five, forty-nine years for women. So it wasn't looking at young people; it was looking at people that had、um, that had advanced ages that were、uh, already in well into their fourth or fifth decade. So what was interesting is that they showed that after about five years, there was an、uh, increase in weight gain, and then there were some people that weight,、uh, lost weight. But then, over nine years, 
there were no statistical significance of weight loss. In other words, only about 5% of the participants, 278,000 people, had not re reached what was considered a normal weight. And again, I, I don't like that word, normal weight. BMI categories of 18.9 to 24.9 BMI, that's your weight divided by your height squared or your weight in kilograms divided by your height in centimeters squared. The number of that, 18.9 to 24.9, is what is considered quote-unquote normal. And again, the reason why I don't like to use that word is because it, it signifies that if you're not in that BMI range, then what? You're not normal. And if you remember in the last episode, last two episodes, I talked about how two-thirds of the U.S. population is in a heavy body. So we're literally saying that these people are not normal. Oh, come on, that's just weight stigma at its worst right there. I mean, it's literally saying, you, there's something wrong with you. It's your fault, there's something wrong. So it's interesting. In this study, it was a pretty extensive study that looked at 278,000 people. Now, that is a, is a really big number of people to look at. And what they found was, essentially, that 95% of the participants, or 95% of the people in this study, had gained all of their weight back, and even some more, especially within that 10-year range. Technically, it was 9.9 .9 years. So let's say nine years, nine months. But isn't that crazy? Isn't that just absurd to hear something like, wow, it's 5%, but this is the case. So I go back to Meredith. Remember the Shiro? Why? I mean, 47-year-old corporate job, executive uh, position with an uh, IT company. And wow, I mean, she is just killing it, right? Yeah. When we look at her weight history or her weight cycle history, I am going to apologize here because I am going to throw in some weights. I just want to put this into context. We, uh, we can see a picture being painted here. So let me just start. At age 27, she weighed 135 pounds. At age 37, she weighed 185 pounds. At age 47, she weighed 210 pounds was at age 47 when she came to see me. Now, what was interesting is that she had been on multiple weight loss programs, diets, weight loss programs. You heard that in the previous two episodes. I told you about those. So, you know, it wasn't that she didn't try to lose weight. It wasn't that she didn't have the uh, information, the knowledge that she needed to lose weight. That's what society was telling her. That was what diet culture was telling her. She had to lose weight or else. What was interesting is there wasn't anything wrong with her up until the stress started happening. Now, COVID really threw a damper into or a tailspin into that stress for a lot of us. But if we just listen to Meredith's struggles, I mean, she's a mother of three, she has difficulty in her marriage, she's building a second home, the financial struggles are, are really there, and 
We also know that her mother and her sister, her mother passed away from diabetes or complications from diabetes, and her sister also had diabetes. So it's interesting. There's a lot going on in her life. By the time she started seeing me, she just was overwhelmed. She was confused. I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, I've tried diets before. And she came to me thinking, well, you know, he's an expert. He's going to help me lose weight. He knows what diet's going to work for me. I'm going to get an individualized plan. Let's let go of all of these diet programs. Yeah, you would think that that would be the case. And she started realizing that, you know, there was a lot of sense and feelings of failure. Like she wasn't good enough or something was wrong with her because why couldn't those weight pro or diet programs work? Why didn't she keep the weight off? She felt like her hopes and dreams of her youth were escaping her. She wanted to get back to that quote unquote 27 year old body where she had lower weight. And by the way, at 27, she also had a lot less responsibility. She had no kids, she was just married. Um, her work resp- responsibilities certainly weren't executive level. She wasn't managing people. She was you know, starting her career. Her stress levels were a lot lower. She was having a really good time. She was very active. She enjoyed going out with her friends and, you know, and then grind culture, right? That's what's starting to kick in here too. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's caused her weight gain or that weight gain is a bad thing. I am just saying that not the same person at 47 that she is at 27. And so diets have a great way of luring you into those false hopes and dreams. Like there is that opportunity. Oh, something is going to be great. If you do this diet, you're going to be back to your youthful, young 20-something-year-old. I digress here a little bit because I want to move into the social media aspect. We see on social media all of these diet and fitness experts. Well, what's the average age of these people? You know, when I look at these people, they look 20-something to me. But, you know, reality is at 47, you can't expect to do the same things that you were doing back in your 20s. She had tried multiple diets and fitness plans. Quite honestly, that ties back to the probability study that I was talking about a little while ago. You know, people are just not going to be able to attain that body weight. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that that do. Some people actually reach their that goal or uh, hopeful dream of a certain body weight. The point that I'm getting to here is long-term, it's just unsustainable. You can't actually get to that sustained weight over a long period of time. Yeah, there is a small number of people, probably less than 5% of the population are able to achieve that. But really, for longer than 10 years... You know, when we look at other research, you're going to only find research out there that for diets and weight loss and long-term weight loss, less than two years. You'll be hard-pressed to find studies that are going to go out longer than two years that show sustained weight loss, especially 5 to 10% of where people started. So was it 
She, was it Meredith that was failing? No, the diets were failing her. Okay, so I got to refer you to episode 88, where I talk about the eight red flags of weight loss research. What you'll find there are these flags that show how weight loss research isn't really telling you the whole picture. And so you'll also see that the the only or one of the only long-term studies actually didn't show a lot of weight loss. In fact, people that weren't involved in the weight loss study actually lost 2 to 3% of excess body weight whereas the people in the research in the people that did the diet program they lost 4% at 8 years. And what was interesting is that the study had to stop because there was still a high mortality rate, meaning that people were still dying of chronic illnesses. So is this actually helping our health? And so one of the things that is important here that I really want to get to is that no, Meredith wasn't a failure. No, it wasn't about her self-worth. It wasn't about that something was wrong with her. What was wrong is that, unfortunately, diets and weight loss programs are just simply not working. So something's got to change. Well, I mean, if we've got all these different diets out there, then what do we do? Well, what we do is, again, we try to focus on a weight-inclusive, health-at-every-size, intuitive eating approach that is focused on being compassionate with yourself self-kindness and knowing that you're not the totality of your thoughts, you're not the uh, failures of diet culture, you're not the uh, ideas of what weight stigma is shaming us to think, like you're not good enough, you're lazy, this is uh, your fault, you're letting yourself get like this. And you know, quite honestly, that doesn't help anybody. What we need to do is focus on our health. Yeah, absolutely. But we got to look at ways to enjoy our lives. Stay tuned for a future episode where I actually talk about the seven key diet traps to look out for. And that'll be a great way for you to get a better idea of what to look out for so you don't fall into those kind of things. But for right now, let's Think about some of these things that Meredith started discovering. Well, first, it was her me time, which she then discovered that breakfast was really important for her and that she was able to have a little bit more energy. And then she there was a domino effect. There was more fitness that was involved because she had a little bit more time and she was able to have conversations with her family. Again, there were a cascade of events that happened. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a replacement or a backdoor for diet plans or weight loss like she miraculously started losing weight. No, remember, weight loss can happen, it might not happen, or there's just nothing happening with the person's weight. But Meredith started feeling more energized, she improved her sleep, she started feeling better. And quite honestly, it still wasn't easy. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. It took time. And quite honestly, by taking the time to pay attention to yourself, you get that time back in the future. Time invested now 
gives you that time back in the future. Yes, I know. You've probably heard that from weight loss or fitness programs or diet programs that are out there. If you invest the time, energy, and money into this program now, you're going to see the reap the benefits later. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is consistent, ongoing changes to your life that you will focus in on and therefore will become the new you. It's like I heard in another podcast, I, I love this saying, I've heard this many times before in the past, what we put our attention to will grow. The more we put our attention at diets that don't work, guess what will happen? That won't work will grow. The more we do it, the greater the likelihood you're going to see that weight cycling, which is also known or referred to as yo-yo dieting. And so what ends up happening is you get that weight loss, that weight gain, that weight loss, that weight gain, that weight loss, weight gain. Let's put our attention, let's focus on being intuitive with our eating. Let's focus on satisfying ourselves with food, with nighttime snacking. It's okay to have something to eat as long as it's not despite what your body is telling you. It's not a matter of I can eat endlessly whatever I want, whenever I want, as much as I want. No, it's also about respecting your body and honoring your fullness and finding that satisfaction. So again, what to do? Well, again, this goes back to one small bite, one small thing that you can do. Now, I challenged you before in the previous episodes to really just pause, give yourself a moment to pay attention. Therefore, by pausing, you can then start observing yourself. And by observing yourself, there is a greater opportunity that you can start bringing in and attention to how you are feeling. And therefore, by paying attention to how you are feeling, that curiosity will start seeping in. It's like, hmm, you know, I'm feeling like this. Now, yes, it may be helpful to understand why you're feeling like that, but at the moment right now, it's really just a matter of pausing and observing. Pausing and observing. I know, David, come on, this is overly simple. What are you talking about? Well, the reason why I'm doing this over and over again about pausing and slowing down is because one of the single greatest challenges that I see in a lot of people that I work with is that very lack of awareness, the lack of ability, because there's so much going on in this grind culture that we're in. Slowing down, paying attention, observing what you're feeling, which will open the door to curiosity and thereby allowing you to step into the possibility of doing something new. Is it having breakfast? Is it adding a fruit for a meal? Maybe it's adding vegetables. Maybe it's adding a protein with breakfast. Maybe it's having a substantial lunch and a lighter dinner. Maybe it's having a nighttime snack so your blood sugar levels don't go through the roof. Maybe it's enjoying a snack before dinner so that you don't go into dinner extremely hungry or you have to wait very long. What is that one small thing that you need to do for right now my challenge to you is simply pause. Take note of what you're, you are feeling and then over time, 
Let curiosity start developing. What areas can you change? Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. And I often ask you to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, but I'd love to do something a little different. I'm getting very active on Instagram again, and I hope you can visit me there on Instagram at Orozco Nutrition. And I'd love for you to tell me what you observed by doing this simple pause and observe exercise. Go to Instagram, feel free to DM me on Instagram again at Orozco Nutrition. And so I'd love to hear what your story is. I'd love to share some of that information. So feel free to go to Orozco Nutrition on Instagram and follow me and also DM me what you've learned from doing this simple observation exercise. I know this is not like a magic pill or, or you know, it's going to solve the world, but just I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you experience, and I'd love to share some of that with others uh, on a future episode, and I'd also love to just engage with you on social media on Instagram. So again, look me up, Instagram, at Orozco Nutrition. And yeah, I am going to say it again anyway. If you get an opportunity, I'd love for you to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because those reviews really help us get this show out to more people. So go down to the rate and review, leave me some stars, again, hopefully five, and leave me a review on there as well. I'd love to read those reviews on future episodes. Okay, folks, one last thing. Remember, if you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast directory or podcast player, whether Apple or Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, I'm on everything. So feel free to hit subscribe so these episodes get uploaded directly to your device so you don't miss an episode. Also, I want to say thank you to our team at Orozco Nutrition, Jennifer Baugh, who is our registered dietitian nutritionist that brings and puts together the show notes and the newsletter for our members. And also a good shout out to Reagan Perkins, who is our clinical supervisor, and to Kia Bourne for all that you all do for Orozco Nutrition. Come visit us at OrozcoNutrition.com. All right, folks. Remember, until next time, chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Hasta luego. Oh, yeah.